Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, February 22nd, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we are going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writers Y. Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right, guys, let's jump right into the news. Uh, HT, on, I think it was Friday, late last week, we learned some surprising news about uh, some casting for the upcoming Flash movie that DC is putting together. What did we learn? Yeah, Latina actress Sasha Kali has landed the role of Supergirl. There was a huge play of my debut in Andy like, Machete's like Flash movie opposite yeah. Ezra Miller. Uh, she reportedly beat out 425 other actresses who had auditioned to play the part of the Girl of Steel. And uh, this will be the introduction of Supergirl in the DC film universe, the DC extended universe, however you want to call it, because there's actually no official name. When this article hit, we were all slightly confused because it said DC Universe, and that was also the name of the former streaming platform for DC. I don't know if it's former anymore, actually. But anyways, this is the new Supergirl of the DC films. Yeah, and it's it's kind of tough because like I don't think any of us have any experience with this performer before because she comes from the world of soap operas and uh, I, I don't think any of us have watched um, The Young and the Restless or at least we have, haven't admitted to, to as much on uh, you know episodes of The Water Cooler or anything like that. So um, it seems to be sort of a fresh face you know piece of casting and um, you know hopefully uh, the DC universe I think has done pretty well in terms of casting so far. So maybe this will be. Another uh, good find on their uh, part. Aisha, do you have any sort of, um, you know, additional thoughts or or, uh, any uh, reactions about hearing this news? Uh, Like you said, Ben, DC Universe has been pretty good about casting fresh talent and fresh faces uh, for their movies. Gal Gadot was not unknown but she wasn't as big a star as she was as she is today and Zack Snyder casting her in Batman v Superman launched her career into the stratosphere um and uh Andy Muschietti has also been known for be doing well at casting relatively new talent with the young stars of his film it and uh, I do like that this trend toward diversity that uh the DC films have had uh really organically since the beginning uh Jason Moa for example as Aquaman 
uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, and now Sasha Kali, Sasha Kali, Kali as Supergirl. So it's um yeah, it's 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 a good piece of casting. I don't have anything to say about it because I have not seen The Young and the Restless. Uh, but it is interesting that this uh, casting comes uh, after the news that Ray Fisher's character Cyborg uh, will not be in the Flash movie after initially being planned to be in it. So some of the grumblings around that is that maybe her character is being brought in to sort of replace the role that Cyborg would have played, but that's all speculation on our part. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. Well, let's move to our next story, which is uh, another sort of surprising uh, piece of news that really came out of nowhere. And that is that Edgar Wright has found a new directing project. Chris, tell us about that. Uh, Yeah, Edgar Wright is directing The Running Man, which is based on uh, a Stephen King book. Uh, He wrote it under his pseudonym, Richard Bachman. And uh, I'm sure as most people are aware, that was turned into a movie in 1987 starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that movie is not without its charms, but it's also a very, very loose adaptation of the book and by all accounts Edgar Wright's take is going to be much more faithful to the source material. So Chris, I have to ask you, I mean, I know you're a big fan of Edgar Wright's movies. You're obviously a huge Stephen King guy. Uh, what do you think about the combination of Wright tackling this material uh, with the, yeah, that caveat that you just mentioned, this is going to be sort of a more faithful adaptation to the book. Uh, yeah, this is this is really cool. This is exciting. Um, the the source material is very bleak and dark, and uh, Edgar Wright's made dark-ish things before, but this would probably be like the darkest thing he's made to date, assuming we we get to see it sooner rather than later. So, uh, then again, last night in Soho might be very very dark for all we know. We haven't seen that yet, but in in you know this is definitely darker material for him than we're used to. So I'm very curious to see what he does with it, and I'm sure he'll do. Really great job because he's a very good director who understands uh, movement very well. And there's a lot of movement in the story. So <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to see what he does with this. Jacob, I suspect you have some thoughts on this one as well, right? Yeah, the original, <clears throat> excuse me, the original Running Man book written by Stephen King is one of the darkest things King ever wrote. He used the, the Richard Bachman name <laughs> to really uh, pump out some really evil stuff. And the Running Man movie from the '80s, as Chris said, is charming and goofy, and but also it feels very much of its time. Like here's what a game show where you fight for your life will look like in the '80s, whereas the book feels ahead of its time in that it feels made for the internet age because it's it's not just you know a maze full of killers like Arnold Schwarzenegger is in the movie. It is the entire world is is the playground. People can you run wherever you want, wherever you can afford, wherever you can fight, and anybody's allowed to report you or hunt you down and uh, like the entire world's participating in the game show it's it feels very much ahead of its time and how people would interact with a homicidal you know televised reality slash game show so i I really do think that that's why it feels relevant now so this isn't doesn't feel like this could be just a remake of the schwarzenegger movie which is like i said charming this feels like this 2021 feels feels like the right time to adapt that book as written uh, where you know life and death become amusement, you know for for everybody possibly watching or streaming or in the physical location of the people who are playing this game, everybody plays it, and that felt you know 
earth shattering to me when I read this book 20 years ago, and it feels like right for this moment. Hmm. Um, I, I think we should also note uh, in Chris's article, Chris, you sort of round up a bunch of the projects that Edgar Wright has signed on to over the past, I don't know, year and year and some change. Uh, there are a lot of things that he a lot of irons in the fire there. So, um, you know, when we first, very first heard this news, it was kind of like, this is exciting, but I wonder if this is one of those projects that's just going to get announced, but never actually happen. But I guess it's worth noting that this movie is a quote unquote top priority for Paramount. So hopefully that means that, you know, things will actually move forward uh, sooner rather than later. And this will be one of those movies that actually does get made instead of just something that sort of falls by the wayside. So uh, let's go I to- also want to add a real oh, yes. quick, Ben, sorry. If this is a faithful adaptation, it is as bleak and as dark and as upsetting as the book is, which is a horror book. It really is a action horror. It, 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 all the goofy silliness of the, movie, of the original movie is not in the book. So between this and him making his first horror movie, Last Night in Soho, and him also lining up to make an adaptation of the incredibly bleak thriller, The Chain, I do wonder if Edgar Wright is really trying to not leave behind the sort of goofball Cornetto trilogy movies, but trying to prove that he's a lot more than that. And this lineup of, of upcoming movies suggests that he he wants to take a darker turn. He wants to prove that he's not just, you know, the Shaun of the Dead guy. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, okay, so our next story involves a, uh, a video game adaptation, but for television. Brad, give us the details on that. Yeah, so one of the biggest early video game successes on the original PlayStation was uh, a title called Twisted Metal. Uh, it's this game that's basically this battle royale where players control a variety of deadly vehicles that have various weapons, machine guns, mines, missiles, all this stuff. And it's basically a, a, a fight to the last man standing. And it's been uh, a while since there was even a new title from this franchise. 2012 was the last time there was a new version of Twisted Metal available, and that was on PlayStation 3. But for some reason, uh, Will Arnett, Deadpool writers Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, and Cobra Kai writer Michael Jonathan Smith are turning the Twisted Metal video game franchise into a new TV series. And the synopsis feels like it has uh, a little bit of Mad Max Fury Road inspiration. Uh, the series is described like this. Uh, the action comedy follows a motor mouth outsider offered a chance at a better life, but only if he can successfully deliver a mysterious package across a post-apocalyptic wasteland. With the help of a trigger-happy car thief, he'll face savage marauders driving vehicles of destruction and other dangers of the open road, including a deranged clown who drives an all-too-familiar ice cream truck. Uh, and that clown, of course, is uh, often referred to as Sweet Tooth. Apparently, his real name, which I wasn't aware of this until I looked into this, is Needles Kane. And he, uh, that character has been the face of the Twisted Metal series since it began. So uh, this really feels like it came out of nowhere, because uh, even though Twisted Metal has, you know, fans who grew up playing the games on previous iterations of PlayStation, it hasn't really been relevant in a while. So uh, I wonder if maybe there'll be a new version of the game coming at some point to help, like, bring more attention to this the series or if the series could inspire a new version of the game especially you know in the wake of games like Fortnite and call of duty Warzone, bringing the battle royale uh gameplay to the forefront of, of gaming right now but uh yeah I don't, I don't know this just seems totally random <laughs> do you think that will arnett is going to be in front of the camera on this do you think he would like the i guess the persona that he's crafted has uh would fit inside the twisted metal world brad uh, I mean, I could easily see him maybe being like, 
I, I don't know how much we're going to see of, of Sweet Tooth necessarily. But, um, he's always, you know, wearing like a clown mask or has clown, clown makeup or whatever. And so they could maybe use Will Arnett's voice to be Sweet Tooth. Um, but there's nothing that says he'll be involved in that capacity. But he's definitely uh, executive producing uh, along with uh, everybody else that's involved. So I, I don't know. It, it, that, that could be cool to see, though. Yeah, I went back into our archives to see if there were any other Twisted Metal potential adaptations over the years. And back in 2012, around that time that that other game came out, um, Brian Taylor, who was one half of the uh, directing duo of Neville Dean and Taylor, was attached to direct a movie version of Twisted Metal, which I feel like would have been kind of perfect, like especially around that era, like the crank and gamer and ghostwriter spirit of vengeance era when Neville Dean and Taylor were really like, you know, putting pedal to the metal. Um, I feel like that would have been kind of amazing to see. But uh, now all these years later, um, it sounds like we don't have any directors or, or uh yeah, like like we were just talking about in front of the talent, uh, in front of the camera talent attached yet, um, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to keep keep our ears open for that. Um, so our next story involves the uh, I guess another series of moving vehicles. Uh, there's a remake of Train to Busan coming, and um, Chris, that project has now found a director, right? Yes, that and I apologize in front if I say this this man's name incorrectly, but Timo Chayanto, who. Uh, directed the the really great and very violent recent Netflix uh, action movie, The Night Comes for Us. And he also co-directed uh, Headshot is directing the remake. And this is sort of like a, a mixed blessing. I don't know how you want to describe this, but like I said, he's a very exciting filmmaker, but I'm so apprehensive about remaking this movie, uh, you know, an American remake of this movie. You know, it was an, it was an international hit I feel like everyone is well aware of it, and I always just feel slightly nervous when it's like, oh, we got to remake this for Americans. But he's such an exciting filmmaker that it's 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 going to be very hard to ignore this film uh, whenever it comes out. So, uh, yeah, I, that, <laughs> that's how I feel. Uh, HG, I know you're a big fan of uh, Train to Busan. Have you seen any of Chayanto's previous works? Uh, I haven't seen The Night Comes for Us. I had, I've heard a lot about it from both Chris and you. And I think that I was, I just, uh, I don't know if I could stomach it for a little bit, just because I, I think, Ben, you talked about how it was excessively violent in a way that could be enjoyed by some, but I don't know if it, that I would be those few. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I, I, have, I have mixed feelings about this because Train to Busan is such a stellar piece of uh, visual horror storytelling. And it's such like this this great little like claustrophobic action set piece that um, uh, I feel it doesn't need to be remade, but I am going to give it the benefit of the doubt because I hear such great things about this director and it's great to to see an Indonesian uh, action filmmaker like getting the reins behind a big project like this. So, you know, I'm just, oh yeah, benefit of the doubt. Uh, Jacob, I suspect you probably have some thoughts about this one too. I'm I'm guessing you've seen uh, VHS 2 and the ABCs of Death, which were some of his sort of earlier earlier movies. Yeah, uh, he's been a regular, his movies at uh, Fantastic Fest, which I've been attending for for a decade, for years and years. So I've been seeing his stuff for a long time, seeing him grow as a director. And I think he's an incredible filmmaker. I think that uh, The Night Comes for Us is probably one of the best action movies of the past 10 years as violent as it is it's unrelenting i also love his recent uh, uh demonic possession horror movie made the devil take you uh his vhs2 segment is legendary 
so good. Uh, I think he's an incredible filmmaker, and I I want him to get the Hollywood money, the Hollywood paycheck, to, you know, the, the the scope of a Hollywood movie. I feel like a stellar Indonesian filmmaker being hired to remake a South Korean horror movie in America feels like a recipe for him losing creative control very quickly. So I hope that's not the case, but. He's an incredibly exciting filmmaker. Go to his IMDb, pick a title that you think sounds interesting. Uh, May Devil Take You and Night Comes for Us are both Netflix movies. They're both picked up from the festival circuit by Netflix. Uh, so even if this turns out poorly, <laughs> I think he he's going to be around for a while. And his movies are, are, are absolutely incredible. So color me intrigued but nervous. Okay. And then our last uh, news story of the day involves uh, Gareth Evans' new movie. He's the director of uh, movies like The Raid. Chris, tell us about that project. Yes, it's called Havoc, and it's going to star Tom Hardy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I was I was scrolling the story for the synopsis, and I couldn't find it fast enough. But now I have. So pretend I was I was very professional right there. I'm leaving all of this in. Please do. So <laughs> here's the synopsis. After a drug deal gone wrong, a bruised detective must fight his way through a criminal underworld to rescue a politician's estranged son while unraveling a deep web of corruption and conspiracy that ensnares his entire city. And you know what? That's a really generic, bland plot synopsis. I'm just going to say it. But Gareth Evans is an exciting director. Tom Hardy is an exciting actor, especially when he's just going really weird and doing stuff that makes everyone in the audience sit up and say, what the fuck is this guy doing? So uh, while that might not be the most exciting of plot synopsis, uh, I'm excited to see how, how this turns out. Chris, I never saw apostle, which was uh, Gareth Evans, other movie that he made uh, for Netflix. And I think this project, like when, when havoc, this new movie that we're talking about was announced. Uh, it also came with the news that, uh, Evans has signed a deal with Netflix where he's going to be making movies with them for the right. several years. But um, I, I have not seen Apostle. And isn't that movie just like kind of the same thing, like a, a bruised hero who has to fight his way through an underworld to rescue somebody? Like, isn't that the, the I mean, plot of that movie? Plus, Apostle is more folk horror-y and it's on an island and it's a lot more secluded. So... But yes, it's they're, they're similar-ish, I guess you could say. Yeah. Okay, um, Jacob, I know you're a fan of uh, of Gareth Evans' work. Do you have any thoughts about this project? Yeah, I think Apostle is really good, and I think this sounds like it doesn't have any horror in it. Where there's a lot of supernatural horror in Apostles, that's one big differentiation. But I also will add that uh, Gareth Evans and, and Timo Chanto have collaborated on several occasions, including the earlier mentioned VHS Two Summit, which is co-directed by the both of them. So the fact that we have Gareth Evans and Timo both getting new high pro high profile projects in the same news episode is really unusual because uh they just they just have happened to have worked together like for years and years because <laughs> Evans has made a lot of movies in Indonesia where uh, Tanto is from so trivia that's it <laughs> trivia um chris what do you make about uh, of tom hardy being cast as the lead here i mean obviously he's like a physical dude and gareth evans is known for making movies where his he really puts his heroes through the ringer um in terms of the physicality there do you think that hardy is like a good fit for this uh, i guess this premise and this director absolutely tom hardy is a good fit for for anything put him in all the movies I say, because he's, you know, all joking aside, you know, while he does tend to do really weird stuff, uh, especially lately, it's, it's always interesting. He's always really committed to whatever he's doing. And uh, I, I I imagine there's going to be a lot for him to work with here, especially, you know, on on a physical level. So I, I, I do think this is good casting. 
Brad, where do you fall in the the Gareth Evans train? Are you a fan of his stuff? I know that Chris and, and Jacob talk about him, you know, relatively frequently, but I don't think I've had many conversations with you about Gareth Evans filmography. Uh, I absolutely love the Raid movies. Um, they totally knocked me out um, with just how incredible, kind of particularly choreographed the action was, and just how hard hitting. Um, yeah, all, all the action sequences were. So I'm I'm disappointed that uh, it seems like we'll probably never get to see the Raid 3, but I'm down to see, you know, anything else that, that he's up to. Uh, HJ, have you seen the Raid films or, or maybe uh, Maranto, which was like one of his first movies? I've seen the first Raid film. Uh, so, and, and it's great, but um, I can't, I don't think I can chime in on this that much. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, all good. I'm, I'm curious, has anybody here seen Gangs of London, which is the, um, I guess, AMC slash maybe BBC uh, series that um, Gareth Evans has been working on? It's kind of tough to watch. I think it's only available through AMC Plus, which is like yet another streaming service. So it's as far as I understand, it's like relatively difficult to access. Um, and people you know, are obviously already subscribed to like a billion services. So um, I don't know. Nobody else has no, seen it. I've, I've heard of it. I think I like wrote up a trailer once, but I have, I have not seen it now. Yeah. yeah, I really wanted to see it, but it's like you said, literally impossible to find. Uh, if it was if it, one of the shows where they need to dump the first season on Netflix to get people interested yeah. in it, because I think there's a pedigree there that deserves our attention more than it yeah. Does. Man, I'm I'm like really I want to see that show so bad, but I cannot justify subscribing to AMC Plus just for that. So um, if anybody else is out there, you know, in that same boat, then yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know what we can do. Start some sort of campaign to maybe get it on Netflix, like Jacob was saying. So uh, who knows? Maybe see if you can uh, start up a hashtag or something like that. But uh, all right. I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe on uh, Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That really, really does help us out a lot. If you could take just a few seconds to do that, uh, we would appreciate it. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word any way you can. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard, so swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.